Something I think about now and again is what I would describe as humorist, amateur humorist comedy from, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. Because you would see it in some of the books and things. Like, I remember I had this book. I got it at an airport. I'd never even seen Mystery Science Theater 3000. But there was a book by the guy, the host, or one of the hosts. I want to say his name was Mike something. He was a blonde guy. But it was just some some book he wrote. And not even a book. It was just, it, it was just I think, filled with... Uh, I don't even know. I'm trying to think if it was movie reviews or what it was. But it was like humorist banter. And I remember being, like, thinking like, oh, this guy's witty. Oh, this guy's witty. You know, like that, that was kind of the reaction I had to it. But when I look back, I don't remember ever cackling out loud, laughing out loud involuntarily. A lot of that stuff wasn't really laugh out loud funny. It was more you just kind of go, oh, this guy's witty. Oh, this is witty. (laughs) He thought of that. And there's nothing wrong with that. But it just very rarely, because I mean, there's tons of stuff that I find entertaining that I don't laugh at necessarily. Like I entertain the fact that someone thought of that or said that. But it's not enough to make me involuntarily laugh. I mean, truthfully, like things have to be pretty spontaneous. You know, humor can't really be written out, like planned or rehearsed to me to really get me laughing. Like sometimes, yeah, something is so well done. I've laughed out loud to stand up comedy and things like that. But like it has to be kind of spontaneous. It has to feel like it just got pulled out of the ether right here and now to really get me. But this humorous stuff, I remember liking it. Like when I was a younger, like young teenager, I remember actually liking that stuff. And uh, I think back about, well, another example is I think, was it Bill Maher? I think I had this Bill Maher book. Was that, maybe I'm getting these things confused let me see what it is, because in the year 2000 is coming into my head. This might have been the uh, the mystery science guy. No, Conan O'Brien, not Bill Maher. Excuse me. Conan O'Brien, Bill Maher. I had this Conan O'Brien book, which is funny to, to say out loud. Uh, <laughs> that's funny. Hey, Batty, and Batty's biting me. Um, he was sleeping, and I woke him. But uh, it was a Conan O'Brien book called In the Year 2000, and it was just kind of these absurdist predictions for what will happen in the year 2000, which wasn't far off, but it was humorist sort of stuff. And I mean, I I I wasn't even planning on thinking about Conan O'Brien, but he's a great example. Because at that point in the, let's say the late 90s, he was big, he was popular, but it was more of this sort of alternative following. Like, it wasn't like every kid or every adult, for that matter, was watching him. I mean, I'm sure it got great ratings and everything. But it, it was sort of like your your smart friends liked it. And it was that sort of humorist sort of stuff. I mean, because I'm thinking about it right now, like the early internet, where, like when I said amateur humorist, it's like you really started to see that in the early internet. But a lot of that was drawing from... The sort of tone that you see with like Conan O'Brien, um, a lot of books, a lot of magazines. Magazines kind of started to get that tone. 
There was a video game magazine I'm trying to think of. What was that called? I, I want to say it was just called G3 or something. That might be. Let me look that up. I'm using a lot of lifelines already. A lot of lifelines. But I, what was that magazine called? No, I don't know. I don't, I don't know why G3 is coming to mind, but it was this very new, like, stylized video game magazine that focused, I think, on PlayStation. I mean, it might even have been PlayStation magazine or something. That's starting to ring a bell. Let me look it up. I'm just looking everything up, but I want to get this right. PlayStation magazine. No, it definitely wasn't PlayStation magazine. That's boring. It was something. It was it was a video game magazine that kind of focused on PlayStation, but it was it was very like witty and irreverent. I remember reading a couple of those, and it was just this very witty and irreverent humor. And so stuff like that was influential. And then you know when the internet came out, though, like when people really started to use the internet, all of these kind of amateur humorist websites started popping up. It was just a guy who ran the whole website and it would just be kind of rants, usually like, here's things I hate. A lot of shock humor, but it wasn't just shock humor, but that was a big part of it. It was just these nerds venting, but also like kind of like pretending to have more random, uh, like uh, pretending to like hate random things was big. Pretending to, like, hate nice things was big. And a, a good example is there was this website called The Best Page in the Universe. And I never remember really... I think I remember going to it once or twice and kind of chuckling. I was pretty young. But it was called The Best Page in the Universe. And it was just this guy, Maddox, Maddox, who just ranted. Here's more things I hate. And it was hugely popular. This guy ended up getting books published, like humorous books. Just classic Gen X, too. He was a Gen X guy. And I actually went to it right before I started this site. Like, I hadn't been to this guy's site in ages. I, I was never a fan of it, really. I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to the best page in the universe uh, to get my laughs in today. You know, it was just something I saw a few times, and I might have thought it was mildly amusing. I don't, I don't really remember myself, but people loved it. Like kids, boys would send this to each other. It was very much a boy audience. And a good example is this old article. I mean, this is over twenty years ago, and it's an article that says, "Stop being a pussy. Beat your kid." So. It, like making fun of child abuse, making light of child abuse at that point was considered really funny. Like, oh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe, oh man, I can't believe he said that. Uh, but yeah, beat your kid. How come, and then I'm just going to read this. How come everyone today is too much of a pussy to smack their kids around? That's what I want to know. Why are parents afraid to beat their kids? When I was a kid and I screwed up, my parents beat my ass. We didn't have a conversation about it. I didn't have a time out. In fact, I've never even once been grounded in my life. What's the point? Send your kid to his room and make him play a video game. And make him play video games and read comic books all day. Great idea. Why don't you take him to a psychiatrist while you're at it so she can pull some disorder out of her ass to hide the fact that you're a bad parent? 
So right away, you can kind of see the, the era. Like, this is a Gen X guy in adulthood. The internet's new. You can just make a website and say whatever you want. And so it's like the... I'm just dissecting. I'm analyzing this guy's humorist, online amateur humorist content. But you can see right away, like, the, the main punchline is that, oh, you know, when this was made, like... The era of like hitting your kids was considered truly sinful. Like I grew up in the '90s, born in the mid '80s, but like really grew up in the '90s. And the idea of even spanking your kid was extremely controversial. But hitting your kid was a crime. And so this guy, in response to that, in that era, is like, "It'd be funny to promote child abuse." But you can tell the era he's in, too, because he puts time out in quotes. We didn't have a conversation about it. I didn't have a time out. Because it, it brought me back to that. Because I remember, like, one of the criticisms against parents is that, like, they talked about timeouts and, like, the idea of talking to your kid about what they were doing wrong. Like, people, like, either for shock purposes or because they were just old school they saw that stuff the same way that safe spaces and all that stuff was treated a few years ago. Like, people responded to that almost the same way they respond to, like, today's, you know, progressive issues. Like, oh, they do it. They're getting kids to just identify however they want now. They're giving the kids the safe spaces. That was kind of how people talked about, like, oh, they put them in time out. Oh, they, uh, they're going to talk to their kid about what he was doing. You know, people kind of talked about it that way. And and then the psychiatrist thing, too. Because you see it on The Sopranos, even. There's, like, the episode where A.J. Anthony Jr. gets... The teacher says, "I we think he might have ADHD. And Tony's like, what is, what is the, the ADD? You guys just come up with all these things now. You know, you, like, you saw that a lot. And The Sopranos came out, like, right around this time. Where it's like, oh, yeah, why don't you just take him to a psychiatrist? Like, the idea of taking your kid to a psychiatrist, and, like, that was when we first started to see all of these diagnoses, ADHD. And so a lot of humorist stuff was kind of a response to that, too. Like, and now they're doing, they're taking kids to go see a shrink, and they're telling them they got this. Back in my day, uh, the, my parents just gave me a smack across the face. So anyway, continuing, kids today need a good beating every now and then. If you don't beat your kids when they fall out of line, the next thing you know, your son will go off and bang some dude in the ass just out of spite. <laughs> so right, <laughs> I'll, I'll offer my commentary in a minute. Uh, you tell them to clean their room, they say no, you smack them. It's simple, it works. Don't listen to these assholes on TV with their bullshit hippie psychobabble. If they had it their way, every child would be raised in a pastel-colored room with Philip Glass pumped through the speakers 24 hours a day. Then again, it might not be all that bad because it will make your kids complacent. So it won't be as hard for them to swallow when they realize that they'll be spending the rest of their lives chained to a desk in a cubicle, writing reports to make someone else rich. So a lot of good stuff in that paragraph. I mean, first of all, just the the immediate, like, if you don't beat your kid, they're going to be gay. Next thing you know, your son will go off and bang some dude in the ass just out of spite. So, yeah, a lot of, like, the humorist 
early internet shock humor, that sort of stuff. Often, yeah, there was like an implication like that makes you gay. And then, uh, you know, another reference to the hippie psychobabble. I like the Philip Glass reference. You know, that tells you something, too, about that a pastel-colored room with Philip Glass pumped through the speakers 24 hours a day, which might as well be, like, he might as well have made the joke of, like, you go to an art museum now, and then they just, they got a, they got a, there was a blank canvas with a tiny red dot on it, and it went for a billion, billion dollars. Can you believe, I, I hate modern art. There's a lot of humorous stuff about that. Like, you go, and it's just a blank canvas, and I say, this ain't art. And then, of course, the reference to, you know, it will make your kids complacent, so they'll be able to deal with the fact that they're going to be chained to a desk in a cubicle writing reports to make someone else rich. Because a lot of this stuff, too, had this kind of pushback against capitalism, this pushback against cubicle culture, because that was really big, that was really taking off, like 80s and 90s is when you started to see just, yeah, it's, it, the movie Office Space came out, which is all about that. I mean, that joke right there is just an off. He might as well just be describing the plot of Office Space. Dilbert was huge. Dilbert, oh, I mean, he's a he's a great example of what I'm talking about. Scott Adams, who's gotten big for being kind of a political character, political commentator in the last few years, but the Dilbert creator, perfect example of this. He's probably older Gen X. But Dilbert, I, I never even read Dilbert. I had a friend who was into Dilbert, and he's now a woman. A childhood friend I've mentioned on here who I found out a few years ago is now a woman. He was obsessed with Dilbert. I never even, I don't think I read a single Dilbert strip, but he had like Dilbert books. Dilbert makes you gay, or, or a woman. But Dilbert was kind of based on that. Like, oh, here's mundane cubicle life. And here's the witty little funny things that can happen when you're working in a cubicle. But yeah, a lot of this humor was like sort of pushback on that way of life. Are you just going to end up working in a cubicle? Oh, my God. Here's the last paragraph. The problem is that kids today think their opinions matter. By not beating your kids, they get a skewed perspective of reality where they start thinking that they have it rough and that they can get away with dyeing their hair and listening to insane clown posse. That's where you need to come in and l l put the law down. To help you, the negligent parent, I've put together a guide to smacking your kids for convenience. Hint, you may even want to print this. This guide, you, you may even want to print this, this guide up and hang it on your fridge as a reminder to both you and your kids. Here are some useful techniques. So the guide aspect, that was really big on these humorous websites, writing guides, like comedy guides. And it was always a guide that was like the exact opposite of what you should do. Other stuff that influenced this is The Onion. You know, back when The Onion was just a, a print magazine or print newspaper, I remember my friend had a like a compilation, a book that compiled The Onion but that that way of humor was big like conan o like when i think about the the biggest influences on on this stuff not even so much this guy maddox that i'm reading right now but just the whole the whole thing when i think of the influence it's like conan o'brien 
I I just blanked. Um, the one I just mentioned. Uh, what, I, what was I talking about? Um, the guides, like the the onion. Maybe Dilbert. I don't know if Dilbert itself was an influence on these guys, but it was it was swimming around in there. Maybe a little Mike Judge, like the better form of this. No, I wouldn't say Mike Judge really influenced this. Because Mike Judge was more, um, it really wasn't humorous stuff. It's just observation. It's characters. It's characters that come from just observing the way people are and the way people were, especially at that time. I don't think Mike Judge was really a direct influence. Like usually these people were into his stuff, but he didn't do this. He's in a league of his own. Um, probably Mystery Th Science Theater 3000. Like these types of guys tended to be into that. A lot more. There was, there was so much of this stuff going on, it's, it's really hard to nail it all down. But anyway, like that paragraph, like the problem is that kids today think their opinions matter. That was another part, like kids need to sit down and shut up. You know, every kid thinks their their feelings matter, their opinions matter. So there's a lot of, you know, a lot of this stuff pushed back on that. But yeah, then it goes into the guide and it's like five across the eyes. This is a very basic maneuver and usually enough to cover most situations when your child is out of line, blah, blah, blah. The sucker punch, blah, blah, blah. Um, just lists each technique, each way that you can beat your kids. The dragon kick, the skull thump, the one-handed chauffeur reach around, the cane intercept. There you have it. Use these basic techniques to discipline your child if you want him or her to turn out to be a success story like me. Here's how to tell if you fulfilled your obligations as a parent. And that's a, a picture of a cowering child. And it says, if your child doesn't look like this when you come home, you failed as a parent. Um, and here it's an ad. Below that is an ad for one of this guy's books. And it's called Fuck Whales. That's another good example of his humor. It's like he, he'll write a rant like... Fuck whales. You know what I hate? Whales. You know, you know what sucks about whales? They're, they're so big and slow. And You ever think like whales are ugly? I'm just making that up. But that's the, the sort of humor. It really, it didn't really, it, it wasn't that witty. But people were impressed by it because like, that's funny. Fuck whales. <laughs> you know, it's like, I can't believe he thought of that. Um, another old article here's, here's, he was really popular for this. It's more crappy children's artwork. So a lot of anti-child stuff, which wasn't really mainstream then. Like now you hear people all the time. Like I was getting my haircut last week and the woman was like, you got any kiddos? And I go, nope. And she goes, M she's like, high five. Like me neither. And I, that happens at work too. You'll have like customers that are like, fuck kids, man. Never have kids. Like people have always kind of joked a little bit like that, but I, I pick up on it all the time. Like, and then you have like the sanctimonious side, which is like me and my husband decided not to have children. Like you can give me my award now. You know, you get a lot of that too. But at this time, the idea of like just some angry, funny guy being like, you ever think, fuck kids, man. They're stupid. They can't think right. Their artwork sucks. You know, you had a lot of that sort of stuff. And that's what this is. It's like more crappy children's art. Oh, and then here we go. 
the, he writes the premise, I can draw better, spell better, and run faster than your kids. So being that my skills are obviously superior to those of children, I've taken the liberty to judge artwork done by other kids on the internet. I'll be, I'll be assigning a grade A through F for each piece. It's a drawing of a fire truck. Ding, ding, here comes the shipmobile. I've never seen a fire truck that needed to be shaved. It kind of looks like it's hairy. I would rather be burned to death than be saved by this hairy piece of shit. F. And that was a lot of this humor, too. It was like, I'd rather get my toenails plucked out and my dick cut off than look at this. This sort of like, I'd rather have this horrible thing happen to me. Um... Here's like a, a rainbow. That's interesting. Everyone in this picture is white. Even the rainbow is white. Perhaps in an ideal world, everyone would be white. Isn't that right, Rachel? Or should I call you racist? Nice try, Hitler. F. That'd probably be more popular now. Because this is the thing. Even though these people were offensive, they usually still, they were like Gen Xers who still had basic liberal values usually. Like, even though everything I've read from this guy so far just, like, makes him sound like some modern right-wing troll or something. Like, today, like, him making that joke about, like, if you don't beat your kids, they'll grow up and fuck a dude in the ass, you know? That sort of humor would be like, oh, he's he's a right-wing, you know, troll. These guys weren't. They, they were usually kind of more on the liberal side of things. And they usually hated the evangelical movement, which was huge at this time. That's what you have to remember, too, is being offensive. A lot of it was kind of in opposition to this um, Puritanism of the religious right, which was very powerful then. You know, this is the Bush era. The Bush era. This is the Bush era. So it's, so it's like they were usually very anti-racist. But would make jokes about it. Like, they were usually, like, very against actual racism. Like, homophobia just kind of was there. Like, everyone made gay jokes. So this guy making a gay joke really didn't mean anything. It was just sort of like, oh, yeah, being gay is some, you know, not even so much making fun of gay people themselves. Like, I've said this before about when I was in school. Like, I don't, there were a few kids who you just knew were gay at a young age. I don't remember anybody being like, fag. It was all about like calling straight people gay. Like you made fun of a straight person by calling them gay. You didn't make fun of a gay person by calling them gay. But then there was also sort of like if someone was a bigot or a racist or something, these people were usually really against them. And like, but, but with a sense of humor, like, oh, nice try, Hitler. Like everyone in this drawing is white. Um, which is funny though, because that, that joke, like, now it's like people see that the entire cast of a movie is white and they're like, dude, this, this movie's fucking racist and they mean it. That was one of the responses. Like there were articles written about that movie, that Quentin Tarantino movie, that Hollywood movie he did a couple years ago. And it was like, since most of the cast is white, clearly Quentin Tarantino's racist. But anyway, moving on, I don't know what this is drawing is of, but says, this one would receive an A if the assignment was to throw as much random shit onto a paper as poorly as you can. I've pissed patterns on snow that look more coherent than this. F. Vroom. There's a, like a really bad drawing of a car, and he's like, vroom, F. 
This was a Christmas gift from Kelly to her parents. Good job, Kelly. Now pack up your shit and find a foster home. If my kids tried to pass this off as a gift, they'd come home from school and find all their shit outside in a box. What a lousy gift. Seriously. You give them video games and toys, and they give you some half-assed drawing with a crooked tree. I wonder how much a gift like this would set someone back. Five, maybe ten minutes to find a napkin and some markers? F. So that's a good example, yeah, like, like making fun of children's art. And I mean, there's funny stuff in there. Like, I'm not doing this to be like, oh, this guy, this old-timey. And this is kind of old-timey. Like, this humor to me is old-timey now. This is 20 years ago. This is like how humor from the 1950s seemed in the 1970s. And this is a lot of what guys were doing online at the time. If a, a, a guy who was kind of nerdy, but, you know, like irreverent, you know, if he had the time, he would put together a website like this. There were millions of them, it felt like. And some of them became really popular. There was a site, something awful that was really big. I had this one of the biggest forums on the internet, and I didn't use it. Every once in a while, I would go to the site, but I, I went to school with a kid who was on the forum, and he was just obsessed with this site. Uh, it was, but it was that sort of humor. It was like some sort of like harsh reviews, like, this game makes me want to dig my eyes out with a spoon and uh, you know jump into a, a volcano. Reviews, there was a lot of reviews because that was the thing is people were still kind of mimicking what they'd seen in magazines. And so it was like a lot of reviews, a lot of guides, like here's a guide on how to do this silly thing. You know, here, here's my review of that movie. I've never wanted to like dig my own, rip my own ears off and eat my own eyeballs more than when I watched this piece of crap. And you throw in swearing if, you know, you were a little more, uh, a little more edgy. Because you didn't really hear people, you didn't really see anything published that was just like, fuck that. So the harshness of it appealed to people. You know, that like, it was one of the few places at the time that you would, because you, you weren't going to hear, you know, it was still a big deal, it felt like, to hear the word fuck in a movie. But the idea of just reading like some guy's editorial where it's just like, fuck this. You know, it was kind of new to people. And just the act of swearing was entertaining. That's what people don't realize. It's like just someone swearing was considered entertaining. Like, I can't believe he's doing that. Another one I'm going to read. Five things that sucked about Lord of the Rings. So that itself is what I'm talking about. Like, I can't believe he said that. Oh my God, that's, you know, Lord of the Rings was hugely popular. Five things that sucked about Lord of the Rings. One, it didn't have Lopan in it. That's right. I'm talking about the perpetrator of ass-kicking ass himself, Lopan from Big Trouble in Little China, one of the best movies ever made. Lopan, for those of you who are adept at depriving yourselves of things that rule, is an evil warlord cursed to roam the world in spirit form. Basically, he runs around stomping people's holes who piss him off, which happens to be everyone. Lopan doesn't take shit from anyone. Exactly the kind of character Lord of the Rings needed. If I directed the movie, I'd have casted Lopan as the lead instead of that pussy Frodo. With Lopan in the movie, it would have been about five minutes long. 
First scene would have been Lopan ruining everyone's shit, killing all the babies, and then spiking midgets off the ground. Oh, man. So perfect. This, this is amazing. Because it's five things that sucked about Lord of the Rings. And then it, w- it was these kind of like amateur humorous, the more random you were, the better. And a lot of these guys, too, like me, grew up on movies like Big Trouble in Little, in Little China. That was a movie that you probably saw ten times before the internet was around. You would just be like, oh, I'm going to watch Big Trouble in Little China again. But anyway, so just it references a random, it's so random. Oh, you know what sucked about Lord of the Rings? It didn't have Lo Pan from Big Trouble in Little China in it. Because he would have wrecked everyone's shit and Frodo's a pussy and he would have killed all the babies and spiked midgets off the ground. So another one of the like, like the baby killing jokes, like this is even a big thing too. Like dead baby jokes play into all this. That was a big thing for a while. Uh, kids would tell them to each other, but then you'd also read them online, and it was like, oh, dead baby jokes. Like, what's worse than a pile of dead babies? Knowing that there's one in the middle who's still alive, eating his way out. That was one of them. But yeah, like, so it's got like a dead baby joke, um, spiking midgets, a lot of midget humor. Yeah, Lopan from Lord of the Rings would have been better if it had Lopan killing babies and spiking midgets off the ground. Random, but you know they also it was like pre Chuck Norris jokes and all that too. But there was it. It still came out like Lopan would have wrecked everyone's shit and he would have done this and this. Uh, I don't know if you know, you know. This is an example. If if you know that tone and that kind of humor, you know. Number two. Second thing that sucked about Lord of the Rings, not enough lesbians. In fact, there weren't any. So I paid $7 to see a movie with really high acclaim and great reviews. Surely it was reasonable to assume that a movie of such supposedly high caliber must have lesbians in it. Expecting a solid two hours of lesbian mud wrestling, I was rendered impotent by chunky midgets with hairy feet instead. What the hell? I'm not the only one who feels the lack of lesbians hurt the movie overall. In fact, I overheard a lady behind me whispering to her boyfriend, No lesbians? This is bullshit. I want I want my eight hours of my life back, which leads me to my next point. So, again, just random, like, no lesbians, dude. <laughs> Would have been better if I had lesbians in it, dude. Number three, the movie was actually longer than the book. Go figure. In the time it took to watch this movie, I could have read the book, filed my tax return, proved the Riemann-Zeta hypothesis, and still had time to write a page about how boring the movie was. This is a picture of me during the movie that my friend took. The movie was so boring that I turned into a middle-aged black woman when I fell asleep. Damn, it seems like every time some long-ass boring movie comes out, everyone gives it rave reviews, except for that dog shit Waterworld. Not that I've seen it, asshole. If this movie was any longer, it might have been a contender for the longest movie ever made, Braveheart. I have the attention span of a Fox News reporter when it comes to watching movies, and I was bored to tears near the end, and at the beginning and during the middle part. Not much to say about that, but you you see the, the Fox News reference, which I actually didn't know what Maddox's politics were or anything, but I mentioned that these guys are were often liberal for the era, because... Like I said, someone reads this, oh, he's making fun of midgets, he's making fun of gay people. 
Uh, he's glorifying violence. You know, someone would read that today and be like, right wing troll. Oh, just a right wing troll. But these guys, they were liberal, but they were kind of reactionary. Like today, this guy probably would be considered right wing, not just because of what he wrote then, but he'd probably be against a bunch of this shit that we're seeing today that's considered progressive. But you see that the point being like you see he made a cheap shot at Fox News because even back then Fox News was hated. If you were liberal, you hated Fox News. This is like the 9-11 era. And so everyone's like, oh, Fox News, fucking idiot, Republican. You know, this guy would have hated Fox News Republicans. He would have hated evangelicals. He did, I'm sure. But point being just that he made a cheap shot at Fox News. Number four, the king of fairies was accidentally miscast as the king of men. King of men, my ass. The chump change was pissing me off left and right during the movie. I'm afraid of the temptation. I'm afraid. Boo-hoo. I'm a sissy boy. Don't give me the ring. I might start wetting the bed again. What a pussy. If there was an ogre about to kick my ass, which is impossible to imagine because I'm so tough that I can rip a phone book in half with my eyelids, I wouldn't let this Nancy defend me. Piss off, fairy king. I'd rather die. So like making fun of Aragorn. What we, what we call doing a little making fun of Aragorn. But you see that a lot too. Like, this guy's a pussy. Oh, that cool character, he's actually a pussy. You know, that was big. Five, it didn't have the Gandalf pimping scene in it. Am I the only one who noticed the entire Gandalf pimping scene was missing from the movie? I'm talking about the scene in which Gandalf happens across a magic crate full of enchanted pimp armor. The armor renders the wearer into a super suave, womanizing sex machine. After Gandalf discovers the magic garments, he journeys to the land of the Golden Shower on a pilgrimage of self-discovery to unleash the true power of his staff. During his quest, he's accompanied by his friend from the east side, Cop Killa. Together they bring down the law and clean house on an illegal pimping monopoly which dominates the market of, of fine hobbit bitches in Hobbitville. So yeah, I mean, pimp jokes were big. I mean, this is also the era when pimp became a compliment, when people would be like, dude, that's pimp. Dude, he's a pimp. Dude, what a pimp. Which, uh, we had a teacher in my junior high who was a Vietnam vet, and when he heard kids say that, which was often, because kids were saying it all the time, he'd be like, you know what a pimp is? Do you know what a pimp is? And then he'd lecture kids on what a pimp actually is and why that's not a good thing. He was he was fighting the the, the snowball. He thought he was fighting a snowball, but he, he was up against an avalanche with that one. But yeah, a lot of pimp jokes in general, like dressing like a pimp. Like I remember this video way back in the day of a guy, a white guy, like a nerdy white guy dressing like a pimp, wearing a pimp outfit and like walking around, like being filmed on the streets. And there's like this, this group of drunk middle-aged women and one of them goes, you're hilarious. <laughs> and it was just so funny to me because I'm like, that was so common back then. Like a nerdy white guy, but he's dressed like a pimp. It's even in that movie, uh, Napoleon Dynamite of all movies, where his brother's a nerdy guy, but then he starts dating like the ghetto black chick. And at the end of the movie, he's wearing a do-rag and he's like, yo, what up? Yo, what up? Yo, what up? What up? 
you know, like he, he takes on Ebonics and all that. And people just thought that was hilarious. They thought that was hilarious. That woman said that in the video I'm talking about where this nerdy white guy dresses up like a black pimp. Just a cheap, a very cheap pimp costume, like a Halloween pimp costume. And he's just like walking around the streets of Las Vegas being filmed. Like, oh, look at that guy. That guy's so funny. He thought to do that. <laughs> he thought to dress like a pimp. You know, and the, this drunk lady is like, oh, my God, that's hilarious. That's hilarious. You know, that encapsulates something, too. So, like, this guy making, like, a pimp joke. Like, he didn't have the Gandalf pimp. He didn't have the scene where Gandalf puts on his magic pimp armor, his enchanted pimp armor, and turns into him, and then he hangs out with his friend Cop Killer. So people really went for the sort of pimp jokes. Um... Why that is, I don't know, but there was a lot of pimp everything. Oh, and then I'm, I'm looking at his, I just feel like reading from this guy's site for like three hours. But then it, he also made a lot of pirate jokes. Like he'd be like, I'm a pirate. His whole thing, like he made t-shirts, because this guy made merch. This isn't something obscure. This guy was huge. As far as like early internet celebrities go, this guy was massive. Like I said, he got books published. He had merch. He had t-shirts. Before that was common. Before the idea of like just some loner on the internet getting really popular on his own. It just didn't happen. And uh, let's see what else he had. Yeah, it's like, buy my third book, Fuck Whales. Oh, and then he, yeah, he wrote a book called The Alphabet of Manliness. Because it was this sort of, um, like kind of a parody of manliness, but at the same time... A guy who's still kind of like reactionary and old school. Um, oh, looking at his links. Let's see, because he has the site Eye Mockery. That was another one. I forgot about Eye Mockery. It was kind of like something awful. But I don't even remember what it was like. But it was, yeah, it was called Eye Mockery. So I'm not surprised he has a link to that. I mean, let me see if that's even still around. I mockery. I dash mockery. A lot of it was based around... Oh, yeah, this this is straight out of that era. Wow. Wow. Looking at this website, like, it hasn't changed. Oh, they, have a, they have a Black Lives Matter thing on their page. Well, the thing is, though, I was saying how, like, some of these guys, like, today would be would be right-wing trolls, but they're actually not. Like, Gen X didn't really lean into that as much. And a lot of these guys actually became more progressive. Like, I think about a kid that I, uh, I grew up with, I, I went to junior high and high school with, and he was a nerd, and he knew he was a nerd, but he was, he was funny. He had sort of, not, but again, like, funny and like, uh, oh, he's witty. But not like he ever actually makes you cackle or laugh out loud. It was just sort of like, oh, you can have witty banter with him. He's irreverent. He'll say kind of offensive things, but he's a nerd. Be like, yeah, and then this, uh, they killed, he came and he killed babies with a chainsaw. No, it, it wasn't that bad. But it's like one of those kids you could just have witty, sort of irreverent banter with. Because I was friends with a bunch of kids like that. And uh, he was... Uh, 
always had really offensive humor, very like shocking humor. And then he went to college and he's now like the truly the PC police, as they used to call it. Like he's he's totally all in on all of the latest progressive causes. I know that he's renounced his former self. He's a commie. You know, he's, he's a communist. You know, if that's what he thought was the right path for him, whatever. I, I'm not telling the kid what to do, but he's an example of what I'm talking about. Where like some of these guys who were really offensive and irreverent back then, they kind of took a turn um, in the opposite direction and kind of followed where progressive politics were headed. And they, they maybe felt like they matured or something. I don't know. Yeah, eye mockery just with a BLM thing on their page makes me think of that. Because you would never see that before. Like these sort of guys like hated activism. They were they were liberal, but they hated activism. They hated um, anything sensitive. Because a lot of the censorship too was coming from the right. You know, a lot of the censorship was coming from the Christian right at that time. And uh, Republicans wielded a lot of power. But anyway, I want to uh, read more of this guy's shit. I was saying how he, he he had this joke where he's like, I'm a pirate, R. And pirate jokes became really big, too. Talk like a pirate day. Um, yeah, he had a lot of these articles, like this one, I hate Helen Hunt and John Leguizamo. Helen Hunt and John Leguizamo are evil. For those of you that are fortunate, uh, fortunate enough not to know who I'm talking about, Helen Hunt is the lady on the TV show Mad About You, the movie Good As It Gets, and the movie Twister. John Leguizamo is the violator in the movie Spawn, Luigi in the movie Super Mario Brothers, some dork in the movie The Pest, and himself in a short-lived Fox show called House of Buggin'. Never heard of that. Why do I hate Helen? Well, just look at her eyes. Look at them for a long time. Don't pay attention to anything else but her eyes. You'll see what I saw, too. After you stare at her eyes long enough, maybe five to ten minutes, look at her face as a whole. You'll notice something strange you probably didn't notice before. She's a fake. It's almost as if she's concealing something. What is she hiding behind her smug grin? Does she think she's better than me? She's a fraud. There's something about her that has yet to be revealed. In the meantime, she should be locked up in a cage, just to be on the safe side. John Leguizamo's just annoying. If he stopped breathing, good. He's an ass. He's like that kid in everyone's childhood that never got invited to go anywhere but came along anyway, and when he did, he ate all your french fries and farted all the time, and then stole your toys when your back was turned. That jerk. See what I mean? His face just begs to be kicked. So pick a couple random celebra celebrities and invent a bunch of random, like, oh, it's so random to hate Helen Hunt, dude. Oh, dude, he said Helen Hunt should be locked in a cage. <laughs> you know, I can't believe he thought of that. But then you'd have ones like, beef jerky is the greatest food in the universe. I'll be frank. I don't want any beef jerky hating vegetarians on my page. If you don't like beef jerky, please remove all references to this page from your web browser and never visit again. Anyone that doesn't like beef jerky should be packed into a rocket and launched toward the sun. Here's a delicious piece of beef jerky. Beef jerky should be the official food of the universe. Oh, dude, he loves beef jerky. But there's a, you know, an anti-vegetarian joke, because that was popular too. 
um, it was popular to like to make anti-vegetarian jokes. It was witty. Um, list of things to boycott. This this one should be good. I don't know. It's too long. Too long. These are some of his earliest ones. These are from like 1998. Old people should be eaten. I was stuck behind an old lady in traffic for 20 minutes today. She was cursing. She was cruising at a steady 15 miles per hour on the freeway with her right turn signal on the whole time. She was holding up traffic for miles. I think I have. I think I have skin cancer now because I was stuck under the sun for so long. Vultures started to circle her car because she was so damn old. This lady looked like she was going to die any second. It was grotesquely obvious that she was wearing a wig and probably had a colostomy bag. She was hunched over the steering wheel like she was giving birth to the damn thing. Stupid old hag. She's probably bitter because she's so old, withered, and worthless. So she's trying to take it out on everyone else by driving slow on the freeway, voting for shitty presidents, and bitching about social security. My solution? Let's eat them. We'll dress up a slaughterhouse like a retirement home, and then we'll trick them into going with, going with promises of free prune juice and quality health care. ha. Then we'll throw them into the meat grinder, and there you have it. Instant geriatric burgers. So it's, it's the same thing. It's not even any different at all than the sort of killing babies jokes or like crappy childhood artwork. Like the idea of basically like attacking anything that was considered sacred, like, oh, I'm going to make fun of kids. I hate kids. Oh, I'm, anyone else hate old people? We just need to throw them in the meat grinder. It's like, oh my God, that's so funny. <laughs> um, environmentalists, inherently stupid. So it's like an anti-hippie, a lot of anti-hippie humor. Because like I said, these guys are generally liberal. They weren't really political, though. That's the thing, is their basic interests and stuff were, were kind of default liberal, but they weren't really politicized. Like, here was one that's like a, an anti-Bill Clinton one. It's just like Clinton sympathizers are wimps. But it's not like this guy was conservative. It was just sort of... You could be... You could actually truly be apolitical. But uh, I want to read some more of these. I want to. Th- that was a little early for me. That was, I didn't. I'd never seen his early stuff. Uh, my interview with Michael Bolton. Recently, I had, a, I had a chance to sit down and talk with Michael Bolton. Here's how the interview went. First, I'd like to say thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule to talk to me, Bolton. No problem. Ah, I'm not going to read this whole thing. But just point being like. Making fun of Michael Bolton was considered funny. Like, Michael Bolton much? Tribute to Army of Darkness, the best movie ever. Um, If anti-child labor laws are passed, who's going to work in the coal mines? Infomercials kick ass. Um, We need more violence on TV. Um... Bob Saget is Satan. So again, just like picking a random celebrity, be like, oh, he's Satan. I think it's safe to say that everyone in the universe hates Bob Saget. Seriously, he's the worst. People often associate family values with him. Why? He's an evil bitch. Just look at him. He's an evil bitch. 
<laughs> there should be a law against being Bob Saget. He should be hunted down and thrown into a bear trap. Wham. Good riddance, I say. Bob Saget is a great example of a miserable, worthless hack who made it big because all his bosses have been too much of a pussy to fire him. The only way he could have made it this far is by selling his soul to Satan. How else could he blow as much ass as he does and still be employed? Where's the justice? Full house blows. What the hell were they thinking? I can just picture what went through their minds. Producer, hey, I know. I'll make a shitty show about some ugly little kids and their fruity dads. I'll call it Full House and I'll keep it on the air forever, just to be an asshole. What's with America's funniest home videos? How many times can they show some dumbass falling over, over before people are bored to tears with it? Am I right or what? I felt dirty every time I watched the show. I've been more entertained beating my head against the sidewalk. At least when I was in a coma without the aid of... At least then I was in a coma without the aid of Bob Saget's dry humor. Just the, the formulas right there. I've been more entertained beating my head against the sidewalk. And here's the thing. I was guilty of this too. Like when I wrote for my school newspaper in high school, I made jokes like that. I, I think I talked about it on here. I was going through a, a box of old things maybe a year or two ago, and I found this copy of one of the high school newspapers, and I wrote a list because there was a lot of lists. Like here's a, li here's a funny list. Just like this guy wrote a guide. I would do things like that. And so for my high school newspaper, I wrote like a – I don't even remember what it was – but it was basically like a list of bad things happening to you for some reason. And like it was like it was like here's a list of things worse than this. And one of them was like there was a Michael Jackson joke in there, which was obviously like a molestation joke, which is crazy that I would put that in my high school newspaper. But it, it was like something like going to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch. Here's here's ten things worse than this. I don't remember what they were worse than, but it was like going to Michael Jackson's Neverland Ranch. With the implication being like, oh, you'll get molested. There was another one that was like, like, you know, touching a bloody Band-Aid or something. And then the next one was like, that belonged to Richard Simmons, which is sort of an AIDS joke. Like Richard Simmons never got AIDS, but he's gay. So kind of a gay AIDS joke. And I put that in my fucking high school newspaper. Like, either, like, the censors didn't notice it, like, my teacher didn't pick up on it, or just they let it slide. Either one of those is insane to me. Because even for the time, like, putting that in your high school newspaper that your school is publishing, like, a, a joke about a bloody Band-Aid belonging to Richard Simmons, which, yeah, the implication is, oh, because he's gay, he has AIDS. So I was like this, too. Like, like this isn't... I was a product of this as well. Like, I wasn't quite like this, but I was pretty damn close. And I bet you can tell. I bet if you listen to this show, you can tell that I was a lot like this. I probably still am a little bit like this. Probably a little closer to this than I'd like to admit. I don't know what this guy's doing now. I saw that he's done some new ones. But the whole thing is like, it'd be really funny to, to hate Bob Sega. Okay. Call Bob Saget evil. Call him an evil bitch. I've been more entertained beating my head against the sidewalk. Like, what got me going about me and how I was like this was just that I would... I remember writing a review for the high school newspaper again 
where I was like, I'd rather, you know, gargle gravel and stick my head in a cement mixer. I didn't actually say that, but that sort of thought, like, I'd rather do this horrible thing than, than listen to this. What's the next one? I'm the best person in the universe. I'm better than everyone. I kick ass at everything. The other day, someone cut me off on the freeway, so I sped up beside him, beside him and I rammed him off the road. Nobody is as good as I am. Some people think I'm conceited. Oh well. All my friends think I'm better than they are. Sometimes my friends ask, how come you rule so much? One time I decided to play basketball, but I suck at basketball, so I lost. Just kidding. I kicked everyone's ass because I'm the best. I own everyone at everything. There's no use in trying to be as good as me because it's impossible. There aren't enough words to describe how good I am. The universe revolves around me. I am king. Everyone wishes they were me. Everyone. If it weren't me, if I weren't me, I'd wish I was. I love me. So that was a big popular thing, too, to be like, you know, I'm the best. Like, like, and what that is, it's a response to all of the sort of altruism that was being pushed in the 90s. This sort of like, well, everyone's good at everything. Never, never promote yourself. Never, never act like you're better than anyone else. You know, you, you were getting told that a lot in the 90s. So the idea of being like, I am the best and you suck. I am so good at everything. Like, it's just, it's cheap. It's a really cheap, easy humor and not even very funny. But the idea was like, you know, this is the opposite of what everyone's saying now. I hate kids, in parentheses, still. Republicans and Democrats, dirty bastards. I'm going to look at this one. So he hates Re Republicans and Democrats, which goes back to what I was saying. These guys could get away with being apolitical. Like, that was a much different statement to make in 1999 when this was than it is now. To be a politician is to be a master of the art of bullshit. Both Republicans and Democrats have their heads up their asses. If I was in office, things would be different. First of all, I'd get rid of all the formal of all formal traditions, read ass kissing during meetings. Nobody wants to hear some fat bastard kissing everyone's ass for an hour or two. Let's cut the bullshit and get to the point. Voting would take place quickly and often. Example, who votes Ellen DeGeneres is a stupid piece of shit. Everyone raises their hand and it's over. None of this yay and nay bullshit they have now. Also, no more bald, ugly people with goofy-ass smiles are allowed in office. I'm sick of politicians that look like child molesters. What the hell? Are we paying these guys to make laws or to sit there and be ugly? Please. Disputes that last over ten minutes shall be settled by a catapult. Both parties in the debate will, will be strapped to a catapult and launched down a mountain. Whichever party survives, if any, will be declared the winner of the argument. Anyone that objects to this rule will also be subject to catapult. No vegetarians are allowed in Congress. So see, another, another no vegetarians joke. They obviously don't know what's good for them, so we don't want them making decisions for anyone. No old people, period. So another, another one of those. Everyone will address me as Supreme King Ruler of the House, who I am indebted to for the privilege of existence. Everyone will compliment me on my manly physique and muscular man boobs. So apolitical, like I, politician much? Politicians much? Why don't we launch them both down a hill and then catapult? <laughs>
Why don't we just launch both Democrats and Republicans down the down the mountain in a catapult? <laughs> you know, I mean, again, like I'm probably not far off from that to this day. I don't like I don't like either of them. Quotes that are ruining the world. I'm just, this is going to go on all night. This is going to be the longest episode ever. I'm just going to read this guy's stuff. Quotes that are ruining the world. I hate quotes. People these days seem to take quotes by famous people and make them their life mottos. That's bullshit. I'm talking about the following quotes in particular. Live life to the fullest. What a crock. I hear this one time and time again, usually from some jackass that's not willing to take responsibility for his actions. I'm sure whoever said it didn't intend for people to take it literally. By the, by the live life to its fullest doctrine, people have done all sorts of stupid things. Things like experimentation with drugs, animals, and sex with furniture. Sick bastards. The bottom line is that if you try to live life to the fullest, you will die. Instantly. Stop screwing around or you will get killed. Cheaters never prosper. Bullshit. At least 90% of cheaters prosper. Those cheating bastards get by the system every time. There was a whore in one of my computer science classes that didn't do any assignments, failed all the exams, but still passed the class because she was sleeping around with all the TAs. It's a repeating cycle perpetuated by corrupt administration and slacker kids that aren't willing to put forth the effort it takes to pass. They should all be shot. Yeah, he talks about whores a lot, I remember. He's like, she's just a whore. Be happy with what you have. Basically, this is saying that people shouldn't have goals. Not that they should, not that they should, but come on. You and I know it's bullshit. If you have nothing or nothing that makes you happy, then what? You're supposed to be happy with nothing? Bah, sounds like shit to me. Hard work brings success. Wrong. Kissing ass and sleeping around brings success. Nobody cares how hard you work as long as you stimulate their ego. Hard work usually gets forgotten and goes unnoticed. There's always some sucker out there that's getting the raw deal in hopes of moving up. It's not going to happen. You might as well quit. Stop trying. I'm not afraid of anything. Yeah, whatever. This is usually muttered by a short dipshit with a Napoleon complex. Listen, you little bitch. You're a frail little coward afraid of everything. End your campaign of arrogance and admit that you're a wuss. I'm sick of people who say they're not afraid of anything. If they truly weren't, then they'd be dead. There's nothing to fear, remember, so why don't they kill themselves and confirm their theory? Worthless. Mimes make me want to heave. Um, I'm gonna, evil Nazi feminists from hell. So yeah, these guys are usually very anti-feminist. Like, that's, that, that, it goes to what I'm saying, where like, they're often very anti-feminist, um, anti-touchy-feely stuff that was going on, anti-hippie, anti-vegetarian. But they weren't uh, they weren't conservative or Republican or any, anything that those would get associated with today. They were usually, I mean, they were always anti-PC. But political correctness at that time was more amorphous. Like there was a form of political correctness that was close to what gets called wokeness today. When people said something was PC, that's often what they were referring to, the PC police. It's the same, you know, it's, it was an earlier version, not quite as extreme of 
the progressive doctrine today. But there was also another form of political correctness that was the, the conservative religious side. Like you can't swear. You know, you can't say anything blasphemous. You can't be any, into anything cool. And these guys were kind of rallying against all of it. But they tended to be really anti-feminist, but it, it wasn't really a politicized, it wasn't politicized like it, it is today. Like if you criticize feminists today, it's very political. It wasn't like that then. So a guy like this, he would write, evil Nazi feminists from hell. Feminists are loud, stupid, bitchy, and above all, annoying. All they do is run around shrieking about men. Newsflash, nobody gives a damn. Go away. I'm, I'm pretty tired of taking responsibility for some slack-ass women that expect special privileges from men. Where the hell is the feminist movement today? I looked through some feminist books at the library, and almost every one of them bitched about male patriarchy. Oppression this, and equal rights that. Boring. Where's the violence? Nobody wants to read about a single mom trying to raise a kid and keep a job. People want to read about explosions, monsters, and exploding monsters. I was minding my own business at school the other day when all of a sudden I was surrounded by screaming feminists. They had gnarled claws, horns, goat hooves, and made an unearthly hissing noise. They came out of a hole in the ground that led straight into hell where I could see Satan, Jenny Jones, directing her army. I thought I was done, I thought I was done for when suddenly I remembered that I had a shotgun on me with rounds of common sense. The feminists started to advance store advanced toward me in all of their unshaved armpit infamy, preaching anti-male rhetoric and singing, I am woman, hear me roar. One of them jumped at me with a two-edged blade of double standards, but I counterattacked with a pile of get a job. This kept her occupied, but there were more. I took out my shotgun and blasted 10 or 20 of them, but they kept respawning faster than I could finish them off. It was almost as if they had a hidden energy source. Suddenly I noticed the source of all my problems, music coming out from the pit of hell. It sounded like a mixture of Jewel, Celine Dion, Alanis Morissette, and Lorena McKennett, all packed together for a mega dose of super suck. I had to act quick before the effects of the shitty music would turn me into a permanent dumbass. So I, I grabbed my shotgun and jumped into the pit. I fell through all the levels of hell, each level conveniently marked with signs saying, Level 1, expensive trendy clothing. Level 2, dance clubs for sluts and assholes, etc. Until finally I reached the last level where Jenny Jones herself resides. She immediately tried to give me a makeover, but I busted out a can of whoop-ass, wrapped in a package of shut the hell up, which seemed to wound her ego. She tried and tried, but couldn't get me to conform. Finally, she blew up like a zit, and that's the end of my feminist story. The moral of the story is that feminists are bad, evil people, and listening to too much shitty music will turn you into a dumbass. It's all true. I'm right. Go to hell. If They like to say, like, that makes you a dumbass. They like the word dumbass a lot. But you can see, too, like, almost everything the guy riffs on is, like, just a response to, to popular culture of the time. Jenny Jones, Bob Saget. And the artists like Lilith Fair sort of stuff, I guess. Not even really Lilith. No, that's not even Lilith Fair so much, I don't think. But the, all the, they, those are definitely feminist artists, like Jewel, Alanis Morissette. I can't remember who Lorena McKennett is. 
I don't know. Was Celine Dion really associated with that? I not in my opinion, but maybe I'm missing something. Shut up and go to hell. TV shows I'd rather gargle a bucket of diarrhea than see. I'd rather pound my hand in my head into a cinder block. TV shows I'd rather gargle a bucket of diarrhea than see. A lot of that, like, and it wasn't just him. It wasn't just Maddox. It was a lot of these guys, including me. Like I said, I even did that sort of thing in a review I wrote for a high school newspaper where it was like, I'd rather have my fingernails ripped off and dipped in a bucket of acid than ever listen to Crazy Town again. That wasn't what I said. It wasn't who I was talking about, but it's just that sort of thing. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me. Maybe this guy's, this guy's probably too early to have like written an anti-Nickelback Nickelback, uh, anti-Nickelback rant, but it's the same sort of mentality. Like, you know who the worst band in the universe is? Nickelback. 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 That became a kind of a meme. Like, all this stuff kind of got distilled into uh, like Chuck Norris jokes and uh, Nickelback, anti-Nickelback. Like, it all, it all kind of just like metastasized. <laughs> distilled and metastasized, if that even makes sense, into things like that. That was like a trickle-down from this. So TV shows that I'd rather gargle a bucket of diarrhea than see. I've decided that TV is shit. You know something's wrong with people when shows like Dawson's Creek and Ally McBeal get high ratings. Shows that make me want to puke. The following shows in particular give me diarrhea. So anti-TV, that was still kind of a, a fresh thing. Like being like, TV, ever notice that TV sucks? Dude, TV sucks. That was still kind of counterculture at the time. But uh, Donnie and Marie, one of the worst shows on TV. Just once I'd like to see that asshole Donnie admit that he's a worthless shit eater. And that hag Marie, smiling all the time. What does her dumbass have to smile about? So, dumbass. You can play bingo with this. You know, every time he uses the word dumbass, every time he makes a joke about old people, every time he makes a joke about killing kids or hating kids, you know, every it just it's just all there. Anti-vegetarian, anti-feminist. The Roseanne Show. One word, obnoxious. Roseanne has been and always will be a hack. She tries so hard to look like a loud, on-the-edge comedian, but in the end, she's just loud. Her voice makes my skin crawl. I can't imagine why anyone would watch her coma-inducing show. Bottom line, who cares? You had your chance in the 80s, screwed up, now go away. Anything with Whoopi Goldberg in it. I hate Whoopi Goldberg. Everything about her screams shitty. She's not funny, outs- she's, she's not funny outspoken, and evil. Doesn't even make sense. I can't think of one performance she's made that made me think, hmm, maybe she's not as shitty as I thought. Her time is up. Next. VIP, the ultimate show for all you Baywatch wankers. It has that Pamela Anderson Lee slut in it, starring as a girl from a small town that hits Beverly Hills to be a star. The slut gets hired by a security firm, and the not-so-hilarious antics ensue. The show insults the intelligence, or lack thereof, of all its viewers, and should be canceled based on principle. Felicity. I don't even know what this show's about, but I know it's shitty. 
No, wait. Actually, I think it's about some slutty high school girl that loses her virginity. Yay. Who the hell would watch this shit? Change the channel. Dawson's Creek. That bastard. The one with the bushy eyebrows. I hate him. Always standing in the boat with his thumb up his ass. I'd love to see him get his ass kicked. What a waste of time that show is. I can picture the producers looking back ten years down the line and saying, Man, what a shitty show. I can't believe I was a part of it. That's kind of funny. <laughs> I, I, I like that last one. <laughs> I can't believe I was a part of it. Ally McBeal. Boring. Nobody cares what Ally McBeal has to say. She's not better than me, that whore. Who does she think she is? Walking around like she owns the world? What a joke. I hate Ally McBeal. It just it's not even funny you know not like like not like literally his entire approach aside from when he pulls something random out uh is just like totally effortless but i've said this time and time again which is that like just being able to do this was a feat like just the idea of being able to put together a simple web page in html and this is really simple there's like a black background with yellow text just being able to do this and make it made it significant. And for whatever reason, this guy took off. Like people would send you links to this and be like, look at this. He hates whales. But a lot of it's just so effortless. Depressed? Don't know what to do? I have the solution. How long is it? I've been talking for over an hour. Wow. Um... Over an hour. I was applying for a job. Uh, yeah, how to kill yourself like a man. I was applying for a job to become a suicide prevention counselor the other day when the guy interviewing me started bitching about how boring his job had become. The only people he ever hears from anymore are 14 year old girls who try to overdose on Tylenol. Yawn. How about killing yourself with some style? How about killing yourself like a man? Here are some manly ways to shove off this mortal coil, along with ratings for each category from 1 to 10. Eat a tub full of beans. Manliness, manliness 8. Style 4. Awesomeness 8. Mess 5. What you need. A tub, enough beans to fill said tub. I don't even want to read this. Uh, how to do it. Just dig in, you chunky son of a bitch. Keep eating until you can't possibly eat anymore. Then eat some more. Your gut will rupture and you will shit yourself. The cool thing about this method is that it's not only disgusting to clean up, but you'll probably be so bloated from the beans. Choose Van Camps, by the way, not Bush's Baked Beans, unless you like the taste of beans pickled in ball sweat, that you probably won't fit in the casket without some serious reconstructive surgery. Guess who's footing the bill for that one? That's right, friends and family. Just kidding, you have no friends. Strangle yourself. What you need, hands. How to do it? Strangling yourself with your own hands has long been thought impossible because when your body stops getting enough oxygen, you pass out and start breathing normally again. Passing out while you try to kill yourself is like failing at failing. You're the one who has to deal with the embarrassment of having the paramedics finding your dumb ass passed out on the floor in a puddle of your own drool as they begrudgingly take you to the hospital where the doctors would be so disappointed that one of them might try to strangle you themselves. And if they don't, give me a call. I will. Even the late Vincent Price strangled himself to death. Either that or lung cancer. But I can't be bothered to look it up. Eat shit.
So I could just, it's, it's another one of these guides and or lists. Um, Cadbury surprise. So it's like, kill yourself with Cadbury eggs. Headbutt the sidewalk. Lick a hooker's ass. You know, funny guy. Oh, <laughs> um, I'm just, I, I, I'm having fun reading these. Um, pranks to try on people in the hospital. Happiness, who gives a damn? Gothics make me want to puke. Because usually these, these guys weren't, they weren't really introduced to anything like truly underground or independent. Let's give gothics a reason to be depressed. Gothics, when they're not getting their asses kicked, they're busy getting drunk and having sex with dead animals. They give me diarrhea. What the hell's wrong with them? They always look pale, weak, and sickly. Nothing a reality check can't fix. But no, they choose to dress up like French poets and walk around like vampires. Why don't you losers get a life and quit pretending like you're depressed? Maybe then people will stop treating you like the dipshits that you are, and you'll gain some respect. You know, I've done my homework. I've probably checked out over 50 pages by people who consider themselves gothic. I've read over 20 definitions, and none of them were consistent. They're quick to label themselves as gothics, but they can't even pick a definition and stick with it. Instead, they allow people like myself to stereotype them by aesthetics. The bottom line is that there probably isn't a universally accepted definition of a gothic because the entire movement or lifestyle, or lack thereof, revolves around just that, aesthetics. Sounds trivial and unimportant to me. Don't get me wrong here. I have nothing against depressed people. As I come to understand it, most gothics aren't even depressed. They just act that way because they're cowards. Cowards afraid of dying. I almost laughed out loud when I first read this. Afraid of dying? Why is this even an issue? Well, tough shit. If they're so afraid of dying, then they shouldn't have been born. Not my loss. They're so afraid of death and dying, yet they smoke, drink, and have unprotected sex. I know not, not all gothics are like that, but I don't give a shit about being politically correct. See? So don't mail me saying, on your page you said all, insert name of dipshits here, are insert stereotype here. Yes, I know. Nobody cares. My point is that gothics are shitty and something should be done about them. I propose that we build a giant cannon, gather up all the gothics, pack them into the cannon, and launch them into a brick wall. Slam. No more gothics. Maybe then they'd have a reason to be depressed. That is, if any of them lived. They're all so pale and weak that a mere launch into a brick wall might finish them off. I was going to talk about this girl I went to high school with that was a shit-eating gothic, but I'm too tired. Just take my word for it. She was shitty. So another one of those uh, just kind of formulas that guys like this do, that this guy in particular does, is uh, like when he talked about like using catapults to launch Democrats and Republicans down a mountain and whoever lived wins the debate or something. Same thing here. He's like, we should build a giant cannon, gather up all the gothics, and launch them into a brick wall. If any of them lived, you know, it's just the same thing. I mean, AI could write this now. You know, I'm not even insulting the guy. I'm just saying that, like, this this isn't, isn't even, like, AI-level creativity. Happiness, bah. I can't wait until I become a hermit. Why? Because I hate people. Everywhere I go, people are there. Loud, filthy, obnoxious people dancing and singing. I wanted to rent a movie this weekend, but I couldn't find any without people in them. That's pretty funny. Uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> that's actually, that's funny. I wanted to rent a movie this weekend, but I couldn't find any without people in them. I like that. And so once again, I'm forced to watch people walk around in circles pretending to know what the hell's going on. Nobody knows. We're all stuck on this miserable little rock, forced to drink Pepsi and buy Old Navy fleece. Old Navy fleece. Man, I hate Old Navy. What the hell were they thinking when they made those commercials? That bitch with the thick glasses? Who does she think she is? Worthless old snob. Contributes nothing to anything. Miserable. Why are people so happy? There's nothing to be happy about. Don't believe me? When's the last time you were happy and why? Maybe it was when you got something. A raise at work, a new job, then what? What's going to make you happy next? More money? More things? What good are they when, they're st when you're stuck on this shitty planet with assholes everywhere? Everywhere I look, assholes. I can't concentrate anymore. What do you think? What the hell is going on? Mail me. Very close to like Eric Harris's website too, you know, the Columbine killer Eric Harris. His website was like basically an even more immature version of this. Like you, he had a whole list that was like, you know what I hate? You know, people who walk slow in, in, on the sidewalk. You know what I hate? People who lie. People who claim to have a Humvee at home and, uh, you know, you find out they don't have a Humvee. You know, like he had a list very much like this because tons of people did. This guy just became really popular. I mean, Eric Harris was probably reading this. Um, jokes to play on people in the hospital. Know someone in the hospital? Do they seem low in spirit and depressed? Why not try some of these pranks to cheer them up? Go up to someone on life support and distract them. Talk about anything, business, sports, and such useless subject, and any such useless subject matter will do. Then, while they're not paying attention, unplug their life support unit. Twirl the cord in your hand with a nonchalant look on your face. Say, oh, I'm sorry, do you need this? I'm not going to plug it back in until you smile. Then plug it back in and say, just kidding, ha 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 ha, unplug it again and repeat. They'll die of laughter. So just a bunch of like mean things you can do in the hospital because get it, you're not supposed to do that. Is someone you know anorexic? A good joke would be to tell them that they're fat. They'll laugh because anorexic people aren't fat. I hate small talk. This one should be good. Every day I'm bombarded with questions from people I don't know. How's it going? Hey, what's up? Are you having a good day today? Hey, what's new? I'm tired of being interrogated by strangers. Why don't they leave me the hell alone? Nobody cares how my day is going, really. If they did, they'd follow up with more than a contrived giggle or a half-assed shrug. I hate the question, how's it going? How's what going? My day? Shitty. I keep getting harassed by people asking me how it's going. Another question that bugs me is, what are you doing? I could be sitting down at a desk, and it doesn't matter how obvious it is that I'm busy, I still get asked. What the hell does it look like I'm doing? What do they expect me to say? Oh, I was just sitting here with my thumb up my ass, waiting for you to ask me what I was doing. In fact, let's just stand here and piss away three minutes of our lives talking in unclear, ambiguous terms about how our day is, what we did five minutes ago, and what we plan on doing five minutes from now. I'm not a poor sport. If people want to play mind games with me, then I'm willing to play. Sometimes I'll ask people how it's going just to see if they have a unique response. So far I've heard good, great, and pretty good. 
Doesn't anyone tell the truth anymore? Every single one of them, liars. They think they can fool me with their smug grin. They can't. I know better. I know that they're all depressed and miserable. Regardless, I have to give them credit. They know that they're all going to die someday, so I don't know why everyone's always so happy all the time. Why don't they stop trying to fool themselves and admit that they're having a shitty day, and every other day has been shitty, and every day in the foreseeable future will be shitty? Every day is shitty, and there's nothing you can do about it. Even if they do admit that their day is shitty, nobody will care. That's because nobody ever cares. They're all greedy bastards out to kick you in the crotch the second you blink. The next time you ask someone how their day is going, expect, no, demand a response. Don't settle for good. Demand the truth. Make them admit that they're having a shitty day and then do your best to make it worse. I, I'm just going to read this whole, this guy's whole website. I'm just going to read this guy's whole website. Um, commercials. Oh, he, he did another anti-Helen Hunt. So, like, he chooses random people. Like, it's not just that he did one article, like, against Helen Hunt. He does, it's a series. Like, he, he reminds you, like, isn't it random that I hate Helen Hunt? Because, yeah, his whole, like, fuck the whales thing is, like, because um, save the whales was big. Don't see Patch Adams. Horrible movie, Patch Adams. I had the misfortune of seeing Patch Adams the other day. It's a movie of some guy that ignores all the rules and conventions of being a doctor and gets his girlfriend killed because of it. The movie started out in an insane asylum where Patch commits himself to because he's a crazed serial killer. They forgot to mention that part in the movie. On his first night there, he makes some guy take a leak at gunpoint. Then he decides to be a doctor. Nothing interesting happened for two years. Then he decided to go to medical school. Instead of studying hard like all the other students, he smoked pock. He, he, <laughs> pock. <He's laughs> he smoked pock. <laughs> he smoked pot and looked at pictures of naked men. On the first day of class, Patch was lectured by the senior medical professor. The professor is the hero of the movie, keeping Patch in line when he started to spew mushy bullshit about saving people and helping others. I thought the movie didn't suck as much ass as most others, when suddenly there were kids. The worst part of the movie were the kids, and, that's, and the stupid hag that sat behind me and cried during the whole damn movie. I hate her. Patch loves kids. I hate Patch. The picture at the top of this page shows Patch surrounded by those little shits, always laughing and giggling. Oh, you kids like laughing. Poor babies. Terminally ill. Well, I've got news for you. Nobody cares. The world has enough sick people who can't get better. Healthy people are the wave of the future. Why can't they just get better? Sick people get all the attention and care. What the hell is wrong with the world when only the sick people get taken care of while the rest of us get stepped on and forgotten? I say screw the sick people and give us the medicine. I'm not sick, but I'll be damned if I'm going to give up my share of medicine to someone who is. That's bullshit. Nobody cares if they need it more. Give it to me. I deserve it, not them. They're a lost cause. So here's a whole article against vegetarians. I was assaulted by a vegetarian at work the other day. A girl was walking by as I was eating beef jerky, so I thought I'd offer her a piece. Suddenly she goes into super bitch mode and says, I don't eat meat, and gave me an ultra crusty look. 
like someone who just took a shit on her face. I'm tired of being treated like a criminal by these meat-deprived idiots. To help you better understand the mentality of these saps, I put together a rough outline of what I think are the three main types of vegetarians. Vegan slash Nazi. This type of vegetarian not only doesn't eat meat, but he or she will try to impose their beliefs onto you with propaganda on TV and radio stations. Vegetarians of this type are so commonly afflicted with acute bitching syndrome, or ABS. This is a mental disease not unlike feminism. It causes the victim to bitch about people who choose to eat meat. All animal products are boycotted by this group of fascists. Anti-meat vegetarian dumbass. This is the most common type of vegetarian. A vegetarian of this type will not eat any beef, poultry, or fish products. Less cheese and milk because they're irrational. The ones that keep to themselves aren't a major problem, as they're usually stupid, close-minded, and fragile, because all of that organic health food bullshit has made them weak. On a side note, those types of vegetarians are very fun to tease. Occasionally, you'll find a vegetarian who has backed him or herself into a mental corner, so afraid to hurt or kill something that they'll even try to avoid stepping on bugs. Because bugs are living things, and they have feelings too, right? Bwahahaha, worthless. Pseudo-vegetarian coward. This is possibly the worst kind of vegetarian. He or she will only eat poultry or fish products. The only rational explanation for this is that these types of people don't actually care about animals or animal rights, but rather they're looking for a convenient way to lose weight, and they try to make themselves feel like heroes while they're at it by not eating beef. This is completely inane and it accomplishes nothing. If I was an eco-idiot vegetarian, my mentality would be, I won't eat meat because killing animals is cruel and they don't deserve to suffer, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't make sense to me that, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm sick of reading this guy. Um, more anti-Helen Hunt, um, you know, it just goes on and on. He has these themes. What it makes me think of, though, I mentioned... Uh, how like the you know tons of young guys had websites like this whether they were in high school whether they were young in their 20s you know you generally had to have some kind of computer know-how because it wasn't easy just to make a site it actually was but you just nobody knew how to do it in the same way that like the first guy to make a cave drawing seemed really impressive even though it was just a stick figure just because nobody was doing that and people were like, oh my God, you can do that? And you just had to know like, oh yeah, if, if you take this rock, this sharp rock and just drag it across the, the cave wall over and over again in the same spot, you can make a line. And it's like, I never would have thought of that. I, I don't know how to do that. They're kind of the same thing with websites where it's like, it was so easy. Like basic HTML was so simple you know, you didn't have to worry about, you know, mobile friendly designs. You didn't have to worry. You didn't have to worry about resolution. Like all you had to do is know just the most basic like header and footer and like how to change a font color and background color with HTML and then just type text and maybe insert an image here or there. It was so simple and easy to do. But then like, where are you going to put it? How... I don't know how to upload a website. So it, it seemed like this very advanced thing to do, but it was all very primitive. But you had all these young men who made those. And then 
two, it was just like websites were very organic in general. It's like they weren't uniform. There was no kind of consensus over the way a website should look. And like big companies had websites that looked like they were made by a 10-year-old. And like the influence of the webmaster was really heavy. You had webmasters. Nobody was like, oh, it's a, a web developer. It was like somebody who called themselves a webmaster. And because they were one of like five people in their town who knew how to do it, they'd get paid insane amounts of money just to build a clunky old website. And kids would do it for their school. Like I knew a kid who um, designed his high school website and it had his, his mark all over it. Like he could do whatever he wanted. And the Columbine thing made me think of that because at one point I saw like somebody like took a an archive of, of what the Columbine high school website looked like. You know, everybody talks about how like the kids had websites, the killers had websites, but the school had a website, of course. And I have it pulled up here where like this student made the website for the school and his humor is like is like this. It's not as offensive but it's it's this this kind of humorous this amateur humorous stuff was so common that like even a kid would put it on his high school website i put it in the high school newspaper but here's what the columbine high school said it said ego ego everyone's got an opinion welcome to the brand new chs website i am master yoshi your friendly neighborhood web monkey and your humble host that's right, it's all me, and I plan to make this the best high school site there is. Okay, so not the, so that's not the most challenging thing you've ever heard of, but my therapist said I should have goals. He has a white lab coat and huge syringe, so he probably knows what he's talking about. Yeah, I bet he does. Anywho, this site is going to serve the interests of the Columbine students. Now, my studies into mind reading are in a, a fairly premature phase, so I'm going to be asking you for help. If you have any comments, su suggestions, good ice cream recipes, whatever, email them to me at yoshi at hosedown.com. I can't promise that every suggestion will see the light of day, but I will read everything you send. The best letters will get posted in the up-and-coming feedback section. But Master Yoshi, I don't have an email account. Whatever shall I do? Lucky for you, that's not a problem. There are many sites that offer web-based email. I use imagineemail.com. Netscape is good too. These sites make their money from advertising, so you don't have to pay a thing. Best of all, you don't even need your own computer. I'll have a more exhaustive list in the next couple days. Keep your eyes peeled. Oh look, the lovely nurse Thelma is saying I have to go back into the room with the pillows on the walls. Later. I'm coming, you fat cow. Quit yelling. Ooh, a steel bat. What? Is that supposed to intimidate me? Hey, ah, cut that out. That hurts. Hey. So like this is a, this is the official Columbine High School website when the massacre happened. And so the student ran it and it's like you know, it's not the same as the Maddox like, you know what I hate? Helen Hunt. Did you know Bob Saget's evil? Stupid fe vegetarian feminists. They should all die, like the babies and the old people. You know what a fun prank is to do to people who are dying in the hospital? Give their medicine to me. Um, you know, it's not quite on that level, but it's like the same sort of like random humor. Um, the same sort of like 
my therapist said I should have goals. So like a, a therapist joke, that was cutting edge then. You know, like Maddox ranting about psychology, like, oh, the, they take their kids to a psychiatrist and they tell them that they have this. You know, it's the same kind of thing. My therapist said I should have goals. He has a white lab coat and a huge syringe, so he probably knows what he's talking about. There was a lot of like, I'm actually crazy. Oh, I have to go back in the room with the pillows on the walls again. Later. Oh no, the nurse is beating me with a steel bat. Ow. You know, like there was a lot of this like, I'm, I'm insane humor. Like Hot Topic shirts were a few years after this, maybe a year or two. Felt like a few years, but it was probably a short time. You know, Hot Topic shirts would say things like, you know, the clowns inside my head are telling me to laugh. Something like that. There was a lot of like, I'm actually crazy. Bonk, bonk. And there was a lot of that kind of humor and a lot of random humor. Like, if you have any comments, suggestions, good ice cream recipes, whatever, email me at this. It's just, it's very much of that era to me. And like this kid, he, he would have been considered funny. But he would never have made you laugh. It would be like, oh, he's witty. And it is. It's smart. Like, that, that's well-written and smart for what it is. Like, that guy could have gotten a job writing for The Onion. You know, he could have gotten a job working for The Onion with something like that. And it's like, oh, this guy can make random jokes about being insane. But I'm fascinated by that era because you don't see it anymore. You know, you don't really see, um, um, I'm reading this other thing now. So yeah, like this, there's more on it because they did like a, a feedback section on the Columbine site and the guy's like, I've been, I've been getting email from a lot of alumni who have lost touch with their former buds. As I just happen to be a rather nice web monkey, I shall grant thy humble request. An alumni section will go up as soon as I track down whoever is in charge of these things and extort some useful information out of them. While I'm doing all that, you alumni could help me out by sending in suggestions and any information about yourselves you would like to have posted. Just remember that you do this at your own risk. If your prom date is still upset about getting ditched on the most important day of their teenage lives because you sneaked away to the nearest cafe to discuss the emotional status of Mozart at the time of his death with that other person whom you sworn you had nothing to say to anymore and you now suddenly find yourself to be highly accident-prone, don't come crying to me about it. Don't say I didn't warn you. As you are probably aware, everything in the world is a compromise. Actually, that's horse feathers, but it sounds good. And this is no exception. I would really like to know what happens after high school. What's higher education like? What's it like out there in the real world? Is any of this stuff we're supposedly learning of any use later on? Looking back, is there anything you would like to have done differently? Any mistakes you're glad you made? Is wider, is wider really better? I don't know. I don't get that. Think about it and share the wisdom. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. So, like, this is this is crazy to me, though, but it's not crazy to me because I remember this era, but it's crazy to me to look back, like, the idea of, like, a, a high school's official website being run by a student who says things like that. And he's just allowed to do it because he's, he's a whiz at the computer. 
Like if you were good at computers in the late 90s or early 2000s, you could like hang out in the, the lab and like the web teacher, if they even had one, would pretty much let you do whatever you wanted. You could pretty much do whatever you wanted. Because you were seen as almost like a different creature. It was like, oh, this kid's going places. He just needs a way to express himself. Um, but anyway, uh, it, it's wild, though, because, like, yeah, a kid would just make the website in some cases. Like, you can't imagine that now. Like, you can't imagine going to an official high school website and there's just, like, humorous ramblings like that. Like witty ramblings about being taken to a padded cell and beat with a steel bat. But because all this was new, a high school would just have a page like that. A high school would just have a, an official website with shit like that on it. There were really no standards or anything. And like everything else on the website is like at Columbine High School, we will teach, learn, and model life skills and attitudes that prepare us to work with people, prepare for change think critically, act responsibly, live in harmony with others and with our environment. But then there's a link that says brand new, virtual cheese. For some reason, cheese was a big joke. Virtual cheese. Cheese. <laughs> it was this weird punchline that people liked. Like if you, if you were into random humor, it was joking about cheese was considered really funny. So the kid who ran the high, the Columbine High School site, like he made a page called Virtual Cheese. Cheese. <laughs> and uh, what this makes me think of is there was kind of like a meme that came out some years back about like random humor. Because there was a lot of it. Like in that Conan O'Brien book that I had that I got at the airport, I don't know which one I got. I, I, I don't know if I got the Mystery Science Theater 3000 book or the Conan. I think I got the Conan one at the airport, just at an airport bookstore. I needed something for the flight, and I got this Conan O'Brien in the year 2000 book. Let me see if there's excerpts online, because I feel like I should read that in the year. If, if there's excerpts from this online, I'd love to know. Because um, I think he did that on the show. Like he would read, he would read these on the show, but I want to see if there's any um, actual excerpts in it that I can read online because I feel like it plays into this. It was like it was random humor. Um, in the year two thousand, scientists will revive Einstein's brain and keep it alive in a jar. It will become a DJ. In the year 2000, the product 2000 Flushes will be renamed A Flush A Year Since Christ Was Born. In the year 2000, robots will do 80% of our housework, but we will do 90% of theirs. Packaged Toll House cookies will become so moist and chewy that people will no longer fear death. Genetic engineering will give the average person a lifespan of over 100 years and a wingspan of over 9 feet. Men will finally discover that the reason women go to the bathroom in pairs is to make out. It's not very good. <laughs> not very funny at all. Um, but uh, 
you know, just everything was like that. Here's one. It's there was this meme that I was going to mention a year ago where it's like it's making fun of random humor. And it went, hi, everyone, I'm new, holds up spork. My name is Katie, but you can call me the Penguin of Doom. As you can see, I'm very random. That's why I came here, to meet random people like me. I'm 13 years old. I like to watch Invader Zim with my girlfriend. My girlfriend. I'm bi. If you don't like it, deal with it. It's our favorite TV show because it's so random. She's random too, of course, but I want to meet more random people. Like they say, the more the merrier. LOL. Anyways, I hope to make a lot of friends here, so give me lots of comments. Doom. That's me being random again. Love and Waffles, the Penguin of Doom. So this is just somebody like making fun of people like this. Um, but that's a good example, like, like a spork joke. Like, holds up spork, love and waffles. Girls, the girl version of this, which this is making fun of, is worse in many ways because it never really attempted to be like witty like i'm just the girl who um who wears a um uh, i'm trying to think of an example i'm the duck girl i carry around a duck it was more like that i'm the penguin of doom holds up spork the funny part about that is the holds up spork because I, I remember spork jokes because sporks are obviously were really stupid. Everybody knows that, but uh, I'm like the the Maddox guy. Like, does anybody ever think how stupid? What kind of dumbass invented sporks? But yeah, sporks are obviously stupid and kind of embarrassing. I don't think I've ever used one honestly. Uh, but like, it's like a girl would like wear a spork necklace or something. And it's like, dude, she's so random. So random humor was funny. Like the idea, oh, I'm going to reference this thing that doesn't make any sense. And you can see that in those examples I read. Like the kid with the Columbine website, Maddox, the best page in the universe. A lot of stuff like, whoa, I didn't expect that. Didn't expect you to say that. And it really, it was never really that funny either though. Like I even remember that show The State, which was funny. That show on MTV called The State, which was like a sketch comedy show. A lot of the humor, though, was random. Like, I remember a joke on there that was it was something like, and then he brought a wheelbarrow of radishes. And it's like, what? Who would have thought of that? He brought a wheelbarrow of radishes to the party. I don't remember the exact joke, but it was something involving like a, bringing a wheelbarrow of radishes to a party. And it's like, man, that's so weird and random. Dude, who would have thought of that? But that was big. And I guess, I don't know, I guess, I guess that people didn't really make jokes like that before either. Because like part of this is that at the time, like because I was a kid at the time, and I, I remember being entertained by some stuff like that. Entertained, but never truly like tickled, you know, <laughs> I, I was never truly tickled, TT'd by it. It was more just kind of like, it made you think like, oh, this is, this person must be kind of smart and funny and, and not care. But it, it was like a wheelbarrow of radishes, a monkey. They like monkeys. Like that guy on the website being like, I'm just your humble web monkey. Monkey jokes were big with random people. 
um, there were themes, like there were real themes that, that people liked. And, uh, I don't know, but like I was, I was saying, like, it's like, I guess that sort of humor wasn't big before. Like in the 1950s through the 1980s, I don't think you really saw humor like that very much where it's like the punchline is that this other thing is totally random and you didn't expect it. Doesn't make any sense, but it's random. Holds up spork. A wheelbarrow of radishes. You know who I hate? Helen Hunt. You ever, you ever realize that Helen Hunt's evil and should be locked in a cage? Oh my God, that's so weird and random. You know, that's kind of the effect that all this stuff's supposed to give. It's just that it, it gets old really quickly because you don't have to think of it. And then I think about, too, like this amateur humorous stuff, too, that was so popular for a little while. And you still see traces of it today. Like I have a friend who was writing for – he was writing like comedy articles for big websites, doing it freelance. And they would just, I guess, like buy buy an article from him. But he was very much influenced by that. And he's a very funny guy. But it's like I could I could tell that like he's my age and he was molded by that time. I could tell kind of what his influences were like pre-internet in the 90s. I could kind of tell like what sort of websites he looked at in the early 2000s because his humor still kind of has that style. And it's old-timey now. It's almost like when you see an old-timey stand-up comedian and you're like, you know, it's not funny, but I can see where it it was witty for the time. It just seems old timey. It kind of has that feeling now. And, uh, like, I guess thinking about like the direction that humor went in, which is more bite sized. Cause these things, they were long. Like that Maddox guy, his, his rants and stuff were usually pretty short. But a lot of these guys, they would write these essays and long rants, and people would read them. People would read the whole thing. It wasn't bite-sized at all. It was actually a lot of text. But then, like, things going in the direction of memes, like, memes took on a whole different level of randomness. Like, some of them are, the whole point is just that it's completely random and weird. Um... But it made things much more immediate. And then, uh, you know, just humor in general. Like, what counts as, like, popular internet humor for the last 10, 15 years is just, like, who dis? It's like Ebonics. Ebonics just took off. Like, Ebonics just became the default. Like, random humor... It's just someone saying something weird in Ebonics. I can't do that. And it's like w- next to a picture of a dog. And it's like... <laughs> you know, that's kind of what internet humor became. It's just a random photo of a dog with a weird look on his face. And it's like, who can do this? And then, like, the reaction is like, oh, I got to send that to somebody. <laughs> you know, that's kind of how it became. Just barely a sentence. 
and went from like, you know who really pisses me off? You ever look at Helen Hunt's eyes? And what's up with her hair? Not not even. You ever look at Helen Hunt's eyes and you think like, I, I think she's an evil demon. We need to lock her in a cage. Because fuck Helen Hunt. <laughs> like that somehow mutated into just like, who dis? Picture of a dog. But I think that's this stuff is like largely lost to time. Like, yeah, the onion is still around. It's, it's not really what I'm talking about, but it, it, it informed all this. It's it's swimming around all this. But that sort of stuff, like if you weren't there, you didn't really see that. Because this stuff isn't memorialized. Like this stuff, people don't, unless you were... I'm sure there's guys out there who are my age who are like, I still love Maddox. I still, I go back to Maddox once in a while and I just laugh. You know, I bet there's still people who do that, but it's a very small number of people. And the the culture in general, like even internet culture, isn't going to be like, oh, that was an important part of our history that we must commemorate. It's just It's just as simple as like, there's a handful of people who are nostalgic for it. That's it. And I think about websites like Something Awful, which was huge. And it was it was more irreverent back then, too, because they would do this thing every week where they would, fo- they would have a different Photoshop theme. And people, their users, their forum members would make Photoshops. And like one time it was like movie posters. And someone had changed the, the Jaws movie poster to say Jews. And it had a Hasidic Jew like swimming up like the shark. And I remember like laughing out loud at that because it was irreverent. It was kind of offensive, but it wasn't coming from a place of, uh, it wasn't mean spirited. It was just an obvious jaws is pretty close to Jews and it's a funny image, but that would be considered very offensive now. And there was like uglypeople.com too, where it was just like someone finding pictures of ugly people and being like, look at this guy. I bet he does this. Uh, I wonder if that site's still around. Um, but something awful, I was going to say, though, it had like an entire forum. You had to pay $10 to be part of the forum. I never used it. I knew some people in high school who did. There was a kid that I had class with who was obsessed with it. And it was all very much this form of humor. And it was run by some guy and then, like, I think, like, the entire website turned on him, and he sold it. And then I found out, I randomly decided to look up something awful the other day, and I found out that guy killed himself last year. He had, like, beaten his wives. He was just, like, this internet uh, humorist who would write, like, angry rants and host these contributions from other people, and that his life just ended in ruin, and he killed himself. I'm like, I guess it's kind of the perfect end for a guy like that. So I tried to go to uglypeople.com, but it's a porn site now. Yeah, I guess it's a, um, it's just like a standard porn site. That's funny. Is it ugly women? Yeah, it's, it's ugly people getting fucked. Interesting. Yeah, uglypeople.com, at least from what I remember, it was a site where it was just like random pictures of people and it would just be like, look at this guy. 
but now it's like quote unquote ugly girls. They're not ugly. Some of them, they're definitely, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely understand why some of them are considered ugly for porn purposes. That's funny. It's just a porn site for girls who are average looking. Weird. First time I've ever, like, looked at porn on this show. But, uh, you know, you get a lot of that. A lot of it was kind of mean-spirited. And this is too kind of, I was thinking about recently, uh, the mean people suck stickers. There were these stickers that people would just have on their car, and it would say, mean people suck. You could buy them at every mall. But then the other side of that was, like, mean people are funny. Being mean is funny. Like, being mean just for the sake of being mean was considered really funny to a certain sort of person, including me. And that's something that I think has changed about me in adulthood is like just shock humor and meanness for the sake of meanness. Like I, I still like irreverence. Sometimes something mean or shocking is still funny, but it's never just for the sake of it. It's never just that it's mean that makes me laugh. And a lot of it's too mean. Or it's mean in a way I don't like. But I used to find it more amusing when something was just mean. Uglypeople.com um, And I, Something Awful Guy was that way. As the name would imply, it kind of had that edge to it. Um, but that was a website that, from what I understand, got like way more politically progressive with time. It kind of went in the, that direction. And all this stuff is you know pre-Twitter, of course. You know, Twitter kind of replaced a lot of this stuff as far as humor, but again, very short. You know, Twitter is just boiling it down to something really direct and basic. But somehow more complex. I mean, I hate to say that, but it's true. Like when I think of like some of the people who are really funny on Twitter, they're communicating in way simpler terms. What they're communicating is way shorter. But there's more to think about than just that guy Maddox being like, you know what, I hate this. Every, anybody ever knows that Bob Saget sucks? And he was on a fruity TV show and he's evil? <laughs> you know, like, that's, there's nothing to think about there. The joke is just that, oh, it's funny to, like, hate Bob Saget because there's no reason to. Whereas, like, some of the newer forms of internet humor are simpler than that. It's not somebody pounding out an essay about Bob Saget, but there's a lot kind of hidden in it. There's a lot of observation and commentary hidden in it. So in a way, it's like even though a lot of the humor just became a picture of a dog saying like, who dis? There's this other side that there's a lot to think about in there. There's a lot of commentary kind of hidden or embedded in things. And I don't think I'm making that out to be more than it is. I think it's true. Some of the social and political commentary that goes on, some of the jokes people find in our reality and just break them down to the simplest possible thing, there's way more to think about in there than what people were doing 20 years ago by trying to be witty. But that was a time. That's, a, that's what I look back on. It's like cave drawings to me. It's like the fact that they could do it was the most impressive thing of all. And if they could do it, you were almost willing to give them a chance just because they could do it. 
just because this guy could make a website with his silly, goofy little rants, that was almost enough to appreciate it. You were just like, oh, the fact that this could be done at all makes it worthwhile. Whereas now it's so easy to do that. Anybody can make a website. Anybody can write anything. That, of course, you know, the novelty is long gone. And the internet is so uniform, too. And people achieve that kind of success through social media. Like a guy like Maddox, at that time, just having a personal homepage was the vessel. And it was so hard to find websites that if a website like that took off, it just kind of spread organically. But it was through these like personal websites, these personal homepages. And then that kind of got boiled down into social media. And uh, that just, it became a whole new portal into itself of communication. But uh, the origins, the cave drawings of all this kind of go back to guys like that. Because there wasn't really an alternative. That was internet humor. These websites I'm talking about, like Something Awful, iMockery, Maddox, like that was, that defined internet humor. If you were a guy trying to be funny on the internet, you were probably Generation X, maybe an older millennial, but probably Gen X. You were probably new to adulthood. You were probably kind of nerdy. You were definitely a white man. A lot of what you were responding to was just pop culture. A lot of what you were responding to were just kind of the zeitgeist of the time. Peace, love, and vegetarianism. You know what's cool? War, hate, and meat. War, hate, and meat. War, hate, meat. War, hate, meat. War, hate, meat. Fucking weird. Um... But that, your, your, your entire sense of humor could just be like that. You know what I hate? Preachy, annoying, vegetarian feminists. You know what I love? Meat and explosions. Yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't some sort of like Jengoist thing. It wasn't some sort of uh, redneck thing. It was probably coming from kind of a nerdy liberal guy who was just considered himself a nonconformist and anti-politically correct. Like it was probably just coming from a guy like that. He was just rallying against the zeitgeist of the time, which is like political correctness, Christian evangelism, whatever the pet causes were of the time. And it really wasn't anything more than that. He had no political agenda. It was just expression. And a guy like that wasn't intending to get famous. Like people who made a personal website like that they might have wanted people to see it. That's why they made it. But there was no, uh, there was no expectation because nobody had done that before. Nobody had gotten famous just for making a website like that. It wasn't like a kid on social media who's like, "I want to be an influencer. I want to get a hundred thousand likes. I want to get a bunch of men to notice me so that they pay for my OnlyFans." Like there was no goal. I think that's kind of what made it what it was. There was no goal in mind. There was no end game of like, oh, if like when that guy Maddox made his website, it wasn't like he was like, oh, I'm going to make this this witty website where I hate things and someday it's going to get me three book, three book, 
three book deals. I'm going to be able to make t-shirts by going, I'm a pirate, R. He, he wasn't thinking like, oh, I'm going to be able to make a shirt of that. He was just like, this is funny. This is entertaining. This is something new I can do. And that was it. It wasn't like, oh, if I get enough viewers on TikTok, I'll make a billion, billion dollars. And I'll get a TV show. I'll get, I'll get, I'll be famous. People will want to be me. There was nothing like that. It was anonymous too. You know, most of these guys were pretty anonymous. Nobody really had a way to dox these guys, nor did they really want to. It was just sort of like, oh, there's some anonymous nerdy white man out there ranting about things. And it's funny that he hates Bob Saget. And instead of save the whales, he's saying, fuck the whales. Who would have thought of that? Who would have thought of that? You know, that's all it was. And it hasn't aged well. Like, I'm not looking back at that fondly where I'm like, oh, it, it was, that was a much better, it was a much funnier time. I think people are actually funnier online now. Especially since there is so much conformity, there is so much censorship. I think people have actually become funnier as a result of that stuff. There's a subtlety to it. But it was a time. Like, I'm not going to look at a cave drawing and be like, well, it's actually better than the Mona Lisa. It's actually better than the Mona Lisa. I'm just going to say that's a cave drawing, and that was a time. There was a time for that. I wasn't there for it, but I can tell you there, there was a time for that. But I'm not going to say it's better than something far more interesting a billion, billion years later. I'm not going to say it's more interesting than what someone created with ink and paint a billion, billion later. But it, it was a real time for, for doing that. And I think you can look at everything that way. I mean, you can look at music that way. You can look at anything. Anything people have done, anything creative. And just be like, there was a certain time for that, to do it that way. And it probably hasn't aged well. Maybe it hasn't aged badly, but it hasn't, it hasn't gotten better with age. Cave drawings haven't gotten better with age. If you didn't know what they were, you wouldn't care about them at all. On their own, you would not care about a cave drawing. Maybe some of them are cool, but you wouldn't look at it and be like, oh, that's amazing. It'd be like, like a, ch a child could have etched that. But when you have context, that kind of adds something. And I think you should do that with anything. Like, context adds something. It doesn't necessarily make it more enjoyable. Like, when you hear the first music recording ever made, you might not be into it for its own sake, but the context of knowing what that was at that time is a big deal. But I guess in this case, it... it that's different because it's like, oh, that's the first record. Oh, that cave drawing is the first recorded instance of man creating art. Whereas with the internet, it was kind of immediately disposable and forgettable. It's like this, this happened in an era where it's like a cave drawing, but it's far more disposable. It was just words on a screen and it kind of got lost in a million other words on a million other screens. 
So I don't think someone who wasn't there would really think anything of it. I mean, I barely do and I was there. I had fun reading that guy's website tonight. I felt like I was in another universe. I felt like I was in another person's brain. I was never even a big fan of that guy's site. It was just a really popular website that I knew about. But I can appreciate like its existence on some level because I remember exactly what the tone was at that time. I remember exactly what the the tone was for an amateur humorist to make a website. I, I know exactly what he was going for. And I can go, I remember being around then. I remember when that was in the air. And some things that's all you can do because nobody else cares. I don't even care. But I just, I remember it. I remember when a guy was just like, how can I carve out a unique little niche for myself? Making fun of Bob Saget. Getting mad about 90s feminists who would be considered conservative by today's standards. That's what's funny. When this guy's ranting about feminists from 1998, it's like, those feminists would probably be considered conservative based on their beliefs then. But that's what that guy felt compelled to do. That's what he was seeing. That's what he was up against. And a lot of that was much more... Uh, like, what he was responding to, too, like, was mostly stuff that he encountered in pop culture or in person. It's most it's what he encountered in the media or in person. Like, the internet wasn't saturated the way it is now, where, like, now the internet humor, it's responding to other things it sees online. Like, it's a self-contained world, and that world still... Inter- that, that world has influenced reality around us to where, like, reality is responding to the internet, and the internet is still responding to reality... But it's also become a self-contained world unto itself. It's become self-referential. And the humor is very much that way. It's, it's, it was meta many years ago. It's so far beyond meta that it's just an, a hall of mirrors where you can't tell what the original physical material it's reflecting. You have no idea what that even is. Because there are so many mirrors and so many reflections. You have no idea what the original thing you're seeing even is. It's also self-referential. The world it's in is also self-contained. Contained. Whereas that, it wasn't the case for these guys. These guys were still responding largely to the material world around them that they were experiencing. Most of them grew up, they spent their entire youth into adulthood in the material world as it once was. They weren't influenced by internet culture. They were, people you throw the word pioneer around, but these guys were pioneering in a way. Um, So it was more a reaction to the real world than it was any kind of internet world. And that's what makes it interesting, too. But anyway, that's all I got. I like reading things on here. I like just reading things. I don't know why, but I've, I found enjoyment when I just like read something, like an article or an old website like that. I just kind of enjoy it. Maybe I'll do more of it.
mine God gave this land to me This brave, this golden land to me And when the morning sun Reveals her hills and plains I see a land where children can run free 